Hello and welcome to the second Underage Lawyer podcast. It's very exciting to be continuing this process of recording myself. Thank you to those of you who listened to the first podcast and responded. I got a lot of comments about me sounding American. I do apologise, I'm not American. I don't know how that happens, but apparently when I record myself, my accent changes. So I'll do my best not to do that again this time and we'll see how it goes. Today's blog is about why I chose to call myself the underage lawyer. So, my blog title often amuses the many people that I meet. They associate being underage with youth and innocence. And I agree with that. Childhood and young adulthood are essentially full of youthfulness and innocence because it's the major growth of our curiosity. I believe one of the many characteristics of today's children is that they really suffer no fools. Many children say to how they see it, and I'm sure you've all heard common phrases like, that's dumb, or why not just tell them not to? The simplicity of youth is something that I never want to forget as a lawyer. So I chose the term underage lawyer to remind myself of what I wanted to be, because I really think that being underage means that the law of the world can't restrain me. And I don't exactly mean law of the world in the strict sense of law, but I mean it, uncon- I mean it as unconstrained, and the formalities of, wo- of the world seem as flexible as a piece of string. I, if I don't agree with something, I can say it. If there's a war, you just think, why not tell them to stop fighting? The older an individual gets, the more constrained they appear by the realities of the world in which they live. The role of the lawyer is always to dodge these realities. I have never seen a human rights lawyer that looks at the world and thinks, well, that's the way it is, and that's the way it's always going to be. I like to think of lawyers like a relay team. We all acknowledge that it should be one way and set about in a relay race to make it happen. Think back to the history of law. How did it develop? Because one day, one person said, hey, we should have a thing to fix things when they're unfair. And it took a long, long time to get close to what we have today. And even now there are still issues. Yet we started as a group on a venture that appeared impossible. The judges that started the law were effectively holding on to the spirit of youth. It was an undaunted challenge to the future to improve things in the way that they morally should be. It's impossible to propose that a happy young person would not aim for a better tomorrow but it is not unprecedented that the contented mature person will merely seek to keep the peace for the present. I'm now studying law and global policy, and I often find myself pulling back on proposing theories of change, merely because I see troubles with current political sensitivities. However, I have determined to stop holding back. Present-day conflicts should be mere passing thoughts to proposals for future benefit. It's a selfish selfish proposition that any change must occur within my lifespan. Rather, I must consider myself a simple member of a relay team for change. If I wish to see the globe operating with a democratic government, I must prepare myself to see turmoil and for the future youth of the world to see the success. It is only in the mind frame of someone who is free from the constraints of the academic and political world that propositions for change can occur. It is undoubted that in present times they must be altered to minimise the conflicts which are faced, but they should never be modified during the future 
to cater to the conflicts of the present. It is common knowledge that wars end. Whether the political sensitivities remain are purely up to the generation of today. I can see that as our world becomes interconnected and we suddenly have friends in every country across the globe, political conflicts cannot remain. What person would hold a grudge against the country in which their beloved aunt lives or where a favourite actor spends the majority of their time? Our current views of states and borders are rendered irrelevant by transnational communications leading to the only conclusion. We must ignore the realities of today to develop a functional future. I am currently writing an essay about creating a global government. And I'll admit, I've been torturing myself by attempting to work out exactly how every different culture and every different ideology would mix. Until I realised it was just my perspective that was creating these issues. I may view some cultures as roadblocks to change, but I do not see their population as roadblocks. As communication and personal expression take the reins of country control, so must these ideological setbacks fall away. Young people of today have seen the devastation of war and the crippling effects of food shortage, of racism, land loss and the importance of human dignity. Each of them represents a generation that has never considered a postcode or border when communicating with someone else. The conflict of the future will not lie with countries, and it is critical that as lawyers, businessmen and people of the world, we make plans to deal with a generation that does not understand there is a separation between countries. After all, for my generation, where is this separation? I can see my friends in Italy, follow my auntie in England, and follow the acting ventures of Benedict Cumberbatch, all from one place. I have no understanding of borders between countries. And I'll admit, it took me a long time to understand why we ever drew lines in the first place. Yes, there is a great conflict in many countries, and not all people will view others in equal stead to themselves. But I propose the vast majority do. And as time goes by, the majority can reach out to the minority in order to develop the ability for the world to grow as a single community, free from conflict and turmoil, in order to work entirely for the global benefit of all members. As overly confident as the proposition may appear, I'd like to invite you to consider what it means to be a young person today. Think about having no understanding of having to wait to communicate. There's no need for physical contact in a fight. Most brawls between youth happen online. It's 100% verbal. In the future, the value of physical contest will not compare to the value of the written word. Global governance will become our centrepiece for war, taking form in the diplomatic art of discussion. Mm-hmm.